0: we will find you, and I will kill you. Yeah! I am the Shut the fuck up, Donnie! The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce
1: me. <laughs> Aren't you? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no!
0: Just been revoked. Open the pod bay doors, now. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth Stop. because it is my name. I see, Dave. Today, Junior. You ever dance with the devil in the pale Your eye out, kid. I like scary movies.
1: Uh-huh.
0: What's your favorite scary movies?
1: The price is warm, bitch. another sorry izzy little
0: accident welcome to critics not cynics the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic and this episode as you might have heard in our loki episode uh is our next journey in the mcu franchise and we are covering mm-hmm. thor and as always i'm joined by leslie and Leslie, how are you doing? Even though uh, we <laughs> just finished recording a, a prior episode, I'm still good. <laughs> are you sure? After my little uh, heart attack scare there, after we finished recording uh, <laughs> oh the Loki episode,
1: that was so, <laughs> so terrifying. We saw the so, whole episode.
0: <laughs> so for for our listeners, thankfully, you will have listened to our Loki episode, but. As I finished the recording, as we finished recording, I hit hang up instead of stop recording. (laughs) Thankfully, Skype is very nice and knew I wanted to keep that recording, so it still showed up. Uh, But it definitely gave us a heart attack, but... Uh, enough about the, all that fun uh, scariness. Um, yes, we are continuing our journey through the MCU, and we are talking about Thor. But before we talk about Thor, we're going to talk about what I wish Marvel would still be doing, but they're not. The one shots. So we're doing this a little bit differently because we're doing, you know, we're doing the movies in release order. Um, but... We felt like with the uh, the one shots and considering they're about five, ten minutes long, I know they yeah. get kind Ish. of longer the, the later they go on. But uh, that we just go ahead and uh, cover them in continuity of where they fall within the timeline uh, and briefly talk about them because they still technically are part of the MCU. So we're going to start off talking about the consultant, uh, which I think being one of these first like literally like three minute one offs is one of the best ones, even though it's so short, because it gives us context to Stark showing up at the end of Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Uh, So what what thoughts uh, do you have on this this little bit?
1: I just think it's just a really clever little scene, you know, with Coulson and Sitwell and just. Just having that, just it's just a like it's a little clever, just kind of haha, little thing. And but it does flesh out like their thought process. I feel like, and I like that we get to see. I always like when we get to see Coulson, you know, doing a little more than what he gets to do within the movies.
0: Right, and uh, this is also our introduction to Sitwell. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is his first appearance, and and then he doesn't pop up again until uh, Avengers. Uh, but then he has, a, you know, a little bit of a greater role to play uh, in the non-canon, I guess, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., as well as uh, <laughs> with uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. Um, yeah, I really like that, you know, because when um, when we see it in Incredible Hulk with Stark going to the bar and talking to Thunderbolt Ross, we assume that they're talking about getting Hulk to join the team, you yeah. know, hunting down Hulk and and, and getting him there. But this gives us greater context where they're like, no, the Security Council wants Blonsky, the abomination. And, and I also like that, you know, Colson's like he doesn't like being called that or something like that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, uh, th- that they wanted him because it was someone that they could control, I guess, in, in their mind.
1: Or manipulate because he was a soldier, you know, kind of yeah. I did this to be a good soldier sort of a thing.
0: Well, and also, unlike Hulk, like Blonsky is there. Like, you know, yeah. it's not a fight between like two personalities. It's all Blonsky. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was it's really interesting to, for them to be like, yeah, we want him instead of Hulk or so, or something like that. And then they're like, well, how can we screw this up? How can we sabotage <laughs> it? <laughs> and, and especially like when Coulson's like, yeah, we need to get someone who's abrasive and uh, we'll piss him off and all this stuff. And, like, was like, you 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 just described him. And, and Coulson's like, no, no, <laughs> no, no, we're not sending in the consultant. And it's like, but you just described him to a T. And then we get a nice little rehash of the scene from Incredible Hulk, and uh, then the aftermath finding out, yeah, yeah they rejected Abomination. Yeah. Because <laughs> Stark also bought the bar and then scheduled it for demolition. (laughs) So, yeah,
1: exactly what he would do.
0: Yeah. You know, for because, you know, it's been God, it's been so long since I have watched these one shots Mm -hmm. that I when we were talking about recording them, like we were going to do a a whole specific episode just focusing on them uh, and then realized that like, oh, wow, this is only four minutes long. And I didn't remember it being that short. But for being four minutes long, it's entertaining. uh, It's cut straight to the point and it fills in some space.
1: Self-contained story. This is like the equivalent of a short, short story. Yeah. You know, on paper, this is that's the equivalent, like four minutes, probably like what, three pages tops, if that.
0: Well, and and, uh, I would like to think like if they were to continue doing this, like much like I have kind of alluded to the uh, the MCU MCU shows being this way, you could use this as a little bit of a testing ground with writers and with directors. And uh, Mm -hmm. because when we talk about um, a funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer, uh, you know, you can get some action sequences in there within the allotted time. Uh, and, you know, give someone some experience that they might not get and while giving them, you know, a, a little a little project, but just getting their foot in the door and understanding the the technical aspects that go behind it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if we want to score them, but, if, you know. <laughs> they're because there's not really much to to score them on, but they're fun.
1: We could do thumbs up or thumbs down. Well, this like, a thumbs, thumbs up. up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this,
0: this was it's fun. It's entertaining, like you said. It's it's nice to see Coulson kind of like without having to worry about Fury being there or Stark mm-hmm. being there, because the camera usually shines on those other bigger characters, and this lets Coulson yeah. kind of kind of shine. Um, so moving on into that, uh, since this will lead directly into Thor. A funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer. Yeah. So this, you know, as I watch it now and I'm a little bit more jaded as a viewer and I see like product placement and all that stuff. (laughs) This feels more like a car commercial watching it now than when I watched it initially. Uh, Because like you'll see those kind of weird car commercials where like it almost seems to be nothing about the car, but the car happens to be in the background. Yeah, it happens to be there. And then like, you know, he goes in there you have the guys who come in to rob rob the, the gas station and then he leaves, you know, in the car. In the car. And it's, you know, <laughs> but uh, what this kind of showed the comedic genius of Clark Gregg as Coulson, uh, because I love it. Like, you know, he just pops his head out and lets the robbers <laughs> know he's there and, and they're like, OK, well, you know, don't do anything. And he's like. Oh, I've got this gun. This gun.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just like, well, okay, throw it over here. Well, I don't want to risk it, you know, discharging it. So can I, I slide it over to you? And it, you know, the guy's like, yeah. They slides. it, and then that was the whole plan, you know. Yeah. You get the really cool slow action shot, and that's what I mean from more of like giving a director who maybe has not filmed any action sequences giving them experience to kind of do a short little sequence like this and, and learn kind of those finer points. But, uh, I also like that, you know, he, uh, he gets the, he couldn't get decide between the, the two different donuts, donuts or whatever. Yeah,
1: powdered so he gets, chocolate,
0: he gets both. And then, uh, what does he say? Like, uh, g- he gives her like the thing gives, gives her the money of c- keep oh, the yeah, change.
1: She's, she's, you know, what do I say? And, Tell him the Tybo tapes really paid off. Yes.
0: <laughs> and I kind of like also like even though he just helped her out, she still got her hands up because yeah. like she has no idea what the hell she's, is going she's on. She's shocked.
1: I love this is gave rise to the one of the memes that I really love with um, when Hunger Games first came out and PETA was like, I can't kill somebody with a sack of flour. And then it cuts <laughs> you know, to this one shot where I don't think I've never seen that one before. I've, it's just, you know, one of those short video clips when, you know, they're talking. He's like, I can't kill somebody with a sack of flour. And then it immediately cuts to Colson throwing the sack of flour at the guy, <laughs> you know, and doing the slow-mo jump, you know, on the gun and punching him and stuff. And it's like, come on, PETA, up your game. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the, this one shot, too. Again, like I said before, I like to see Colson, you know, when he gets to be the one who's, you know, shining on screen. But I also like that this kind of fleshes out that um, shield and their agents training, because yes. in the movies so far, we've just kind of seen, you know, them in suits or whatever. He had a clever little device, you know, to, to bust open the one door and Iron Man and stuff. But that they're like they're actual agents. They get training like, you know, they're it's serious. It's not just like a random suit, you know, that walks in pencil pusher.
0: Right. And like, I mean, the only one we kind of saw with any type of training was Black Widow in mm-hmm. Iron Man 2. So, like, it's nice to see that Coulson is also trained in like hand to hand combat, evaluating, evaluating a situation, figuring out the best mode to diffusing the situation. Um, and yeah, it was just it's a bit of just kind of comedic genius, too, because it's much like the first uh, one shot. It's it's short, sweet to the point, but I I just love the bit with him like holding the gun, you know, by (laughs) by the handle and just like, uh, what do you want me to do with this? You know, and
1: his delivery is so good. It's like the, the straight flat delivery, but it's so funny.
0: Right. Right. So it's, it's really good. And again, it fills in the space between Iron Man two and Thor and the end credit scene of, of Iron Man two. So, Mm -hmm. because this is just on, again, on his way to, to, uh, New Mexico and, and to Thor's hammer. So, uh, OK, without much ado, uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and just dive right in Thor. So my experience with Thor prior to this film, because I know that this uh, particular film, n- not counting the sequels or anything like that, when this film came out, um, I was working at the movie theater and, uh, you know, it wasn't like I was super excited for Thor. Thor was not a character in the comic books I really cared for, uh, read much up on. I just knew he had a hammer and that was basically (laughs) about it. So this is also I I believe I've said this on the podcast in in the past. um, This is why I like Dark Knight Rises more than than Dark Knight is because it took a character I was completely uninterested in and made him fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I saw this film and it was getting kind of because remember, folks, if you're not if you're not old fogies like us in <laughs> uh, and, and the long, long ago, the early Marvel movies outside of the Iron Man films were not as highly rated as they are today.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, the, Captain America, Thor, uh, Incredible Hulk ran all around in the 60 percent range on Rotten Tomatoes. And now they average between 80 and 90 um, on Rotten Tomatoes. So this because this was also uncharted territory. It was
1: they're still figuring it out. Um,
0: These were characters that we've never except for uh, on the Incredible Hulk TV show or TV movie. Thor was never on screen. Uh, Cap had a, you know, a failed, even though I own it, (laughs) excuse me, uh, 90s uh, movie with J.D. Salinger's kid as Cap and uh, fake ears because they couldn't cut through the uh, headpiece. Um, And I still love it, even though it's garbage. Uh, So they didn't really have, like, Batman, where you had four different films. Superman, you had four different films. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Spider-Man was a success and X-Men was a a success, but those were their own separate things. Uh, So, you know, this is, again, still... Training wheels, trying to figure out how to build this universe up and introduce these characters that for a grander audience or, or bigger audiences, no one's going to know their their backstory or history. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate that Thor really made me want to know more about the character. I ended up because at the time I was still collecting comic books. I was reading every Thor line that was coming out, and I, I read it all the way through the the Jane Foster th- Thor with Jason Aaron's run, uh, who is probably going to be my favorite Thor writer because he really gets the character. And as much as people might complain about Lady Thor and Thor, uh, whatever the new name is, uh, Love and Thunder uh, oh, and, and, Jane, and, and Jane uh, taking over the hammer I really liked what Jason Aaron did with that comics run. So I'm really looking forward to see how they do it for the film. But th- yeah, I really became like a th- Thor head or a Thor groupie uh, <laughs> because of this film and, and the way they presented it. Um, and so it, it it starts like most of these early Marvel movies in media res, we have Jane Darcy and uh, Selvig, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just doing whatever they're doing and they see the, the Bifrost uh, and they're racing towards it. And
1: basically like storm chasers. She's trying to get that data.
0: Right. And as Darcy does not, ever let her forget she hits <laughs> thor <laughs> but uh then it then it jumps you know it uh it gives us this backstory great narration from anthony hopkins who
1: mm-hmm.
0: i think is perfectly cast as odin yes
1: yeah, yeah he's a good choice
0: um as long as long as he's uh you know not uh eating people uh <laughs> a la silence of the lambs um and we get the, uh, you know, Frost Giant lore. Uh, we see kind of the war between the Jotuns and, and uh, Asgardians. And, um, you know, we get to see a young Loki and a young Thor, which now, uh, not having rewatched it for a while, seeing these child actors who play these younger versions, they actually did them really well.
1: Yeah, they cast them really, really well.
0: Um, especially, I would say, even more so on young Loki. Because mm-hmm. he really looks like a young Tom Hiddleston, like as a kid. Uh, but I, I, it establishes kind of their, their lust for the throne a little bit, like that they both want to rule over Asgard. And and Thor is kind of uh, envisioning glory with war instead of, you know, what ramifications war has on people. Mm-hmm. And Loki is more kind of the people person in, in that sense yeah
1: uh and politics then we, intrigue
0: yeah and and then we kind of jump to modern day thor's won a big battle but we get to see also the beautiful vistas of asgard mm-hmm. now what i don't i still can't wrap my head around because you know it's, <laughs> it's 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 a it's a planet but it's not a planet But
1: it's a disc yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's Flat Earth, you know, because, <laughs> um, it, you know, like, it's it's presented to be a realm, but then it's actually the, they're aliens, pretty much. Um, and, and yet, like, somehow all of Asgard is just a flat, floating piece of land. Just, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, 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 I love the visuals of this film, which I felt were destroyed in Thor Dark World because they, they turned every literally darker. Like they just muted down all the colors and everything with what they did in this film. Um, and of course we get kind of the Jotun's invading to steal the cask back. We get to see the destroyer. And if you're quick enough, because if you've seen Thor Ragnarok, you know, this is the origin of that Easter egg. You see the infinity gauntlet,
1: uh, and,
0: in the, uh, whatever this, uh, the armory or, or yeah. whatever, treasury or
1: whatever it is. Yeah.
0: Uh, so, uh, we, this is also where we kind of get that Odin's not pleased with Thor's attitude. Like, yeah, it, this was a ceremony to pass on the crown to him, but, uh, kind of seeing this, uh, war lust, you know, to, mm-hmm. the, uh, to, to go to war. It, it's really puts him kind of aback. back, uh, But and then, of course, we get our introduction as Tom as Loki for the first time. Um, And it's really impressive because I would say his performance as Loki in this is not as great as his performances later on. I I don't know. Do you have thoughts on that? Well, I'm not saying it's bad, but it's like I feel like he's really worked the character and he feels more organic now as Loki. Whereas you can kind of feel the acting coming through a little bit in in this first film.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe because it's like, it's the first one, but like I said before, like your first experience with this movie, I feel like people either came out like you did, you know, much more interested in Thor and stuff, or you came out like I did. You're Loki Stan forever. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, you know, screw Thor. I don't hate Thor's character or anything like that, but Watching this movie and then again watching it back too, like uh, you know, Thor: The Dark World is just kind of like a bleh, yeah. meh, you know. And we'll get there. It, it's not really on the scale for me. So when you see Thor, like I like him in Avengers, and he's starting to be a little more funny there. In Age of Ultron, he it, like I feel like. They're realizing that Chris Hemsworth, as they go along, is a really f- funny, good comedic actor. Yeah. So they let him be a little more funny. like Because by the time we get to Ragnarok, I really enjoy his performance. But here, I could care less. I don't like him at all. <laughs> <laughs> Thor's <laughs> character, see, that's like it made you more interested in Thor. I'm like, I couldn't give a crap about Thor. I couldn't give a crap about him from this movie. I don't like his character whatsoever in this movie. I don't feel like any of this so-called development he has in this movie actually is earned or in any way like comes well, you're across. Gonna, you're
0: going to like what I'm going to say here in a little
1: bit. <laughs> so it's like, for me, this is, you know, I feel like you like you come out and you either see things from Thor's perspective or you really feel things from Loki's perspective. And one of the things I do remember about this movie was they were um, advertising it for 3D, you know, mm-hmm. so like when he throws the hammer and stuff. So I did go and like see this in 3D. I did, too. To, to see the hammer coming at you and stuff. But yeah, I definitely did come out of it more like sympathizing and understanding towards Loki's whole side of things, even though, yeah, he's the murderer. But, you know, and not so much like I'm like, yeah, you know, when you get to the part with the destroyer towards the end of the movie – Thor's more worthy now and he gets his hammer back. And I'm like, I guess I don't really believe any of the acting or anything. Like none of it really has impact for me, like throughout for his so, character. And it's so funny because it's like, it's his movie, but it like really has not enough like for me. But then, like you said, we skip ahead to like Ragnarok and all the other stuff. And I love him. He's great.
0: Well, you're going to really enjoy what I'm going to say. Cause I have to agree with you. Um, <laughs> Uh, on character development because uh, I really caught it specific. I mean, specifically since we're watching it to review it for the podcast and everything mm. um, and not just watching it either out of enjoyment or to have something on on the TV. Uh, I, I have to agree that this movie is actually more focused on Loki than it is on Thor at all, even though it is Thor. Yeah. Um, and If you're a listener and you're not looking at it through the side or haven't rewatched it recently, you might be saying, well, how is that? So it's it's Thor. It's all about Thor. It's all about him getting the hammer, blah, 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 blah. This is about identity for Loki. Mm
1: -hmm. Loki
0: has never felt like he's belonged. Yeah. And throughout the film, it's a journey of discovery for him when they go in retaliation to Jotunheim and he gets touched by the frost giant. And where everyone else is getting, uh, you know, a frostbite, nothing happens to him. His mm-hmm. skin starts turning blue like a Jotun. And um, which then again is leading into that paranoia of, I don't belong, I don't belong. Yeah. And so it's a journey of self discovery for Loki. And when he gets to the cask and, you know, it's fully revealed he is a frost giant or. Uh, frost midget Um,
1: (laughs) frost (laughs) runt
0: and and Odin reveals the truth to him. This is then where the real malicious side of Loki comes out, but there's still compassion there. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I, not to, because we've already done our Loki review, but I, one complaint I saw on, on Loki was that it's not doing a good job, you know, because he's supposed to be the villain Loki and yeah, he's being the more empathetic Loki of, of uh, infinity war. Look at this Loki here. It's the same Loki, because even though he is upset with Odin, when he sends Odin into slumber because of his outburst, he immediately calls for the guards. Mm -hmm. Despite just learning he is Laffy's son and not Odin's son, he still cares for Odin. He might have resentment or anger uh, towards him, but he still cares for him. And yeah, he's going to use it as an opportunity, uh, to rule, mm-hmm. it, it was, as he says, it was all for Asgard. Uh, so there, there is still that empathy for him that's still a more conflicted character than just being a purely straight villain.
1: Right, and when you think about the only people that we see like get killed up to this point are frost giants, and they've already been portrayed to us as just like the monster under the bed, exactly right. like he says, the monster you tell your kids about. And that's part of his identity crisis there. So he's not killed anybody that's like us. You know what right. I mean? Like he has, we haven't seen him on screen, like just kill a person or whatever. And another part of that identity crisis, I feel like is Sif in the ladies three yeah the Sif in the 3. warriors three. Sorry. I was thinking lady Sif, um, <laughs> but the friends of four, yeah. and you can, I, I feel like you feel like the mean girl click, like, it is no wonder that Loki feels like he doesn't belong. Look at them and how they treat him. Like immediately when they're in the healing house, Sif is suspicious as all get out of him. And I'm thinking actually what he did there was kind of smart because, you know, you're going there to confront, which is, I mean, you know, is it a decision you would do? I'd kind of still want to know. I understand what Odin's saying, but I would want to know, like, how'd they get here? Right. You know, uh, of course, Loki knows, but I'm saying for everybody else who didn't know how they got there, I would want to do that, and then Loki telling the guard, you know, go tell Odin, get us out of here. That's smart. Get us out of here before something, like, more terrible happens. He's actually, you know, again, he's ten steps ahead, but he's it's concerned about the group, what's going to happen, have somebody get us out of this situation. Thor couldn't care less. Like, people... um what's his bull stag you know gets yeah. the frostbite frandril gets the big icicle thing through his chest his shoulder he doesn't give a crap until the end when he comes flying through the ice dog monster thing yeah you know so like he's actually loki's the one actually like concerned about the group and they're immediately like she's like oh but he's always been jealous and and da-da-da-da-da and instigate and I'm like, that's actually, what he did was actually kind of smart for the group if he hadn't kind of orchestrated it right? You know, you know, when you think about it but still, it's that kind of could you imagine being how you feel being in that friend group growing up all these 1500 how many ever years they are knowing that like, they don't really trust you, they're, they're not really your friend they're kind of tolerating you because of Thor because you're his brother, you know it like, the whole movie for me is about Loki. Yeah,
0: it, and it really is. And that's, that's like, you know, I'm, I'm seeing that in hindsight. Um, and also, like you were saying, like, the ribbing, like, when he's, uh, when he can't convince uh, a Heimdall, Heimdall. to let the and he's like, silver tongue turned to lead, you know, like, <laughs> it's like, okay, can you be much more of a jerk? And so... The counterpoint being like that, this is that this doesn't focus on Thor because it doesn't develop Thor. It really no. doesn't. Uh, whereas Thor dark world starts it a little bit more yeah. and, uh, then a little bit in Avengers, but not, not even much there. Cause he's still very much kind of the Thor from Thor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Thor dark world and definitely Thor Ragnarok and getting into infinity war and end game. They all really do a much better job yeah. of developing his character. Um, but like, all it is, is Thor's petulant.
1: <laughs> they once they
0: return, once they return back, he's, you know, I'm the king. And, and Odin's like, you're not the king yet. And he's, you know, strips him of his powers, makes him mortal, sends him to Earth and and then puts the the thing on the hammer that only, you know, who who's so worthy, which is very important later on in the MCU. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: You know, can have the powers of Thor. Um, And then like once he gets to Earth, it's just again, still like I'm in control. Like you guys are just mere mortals. I don't care about you. I'm going to get back. I'm going to find my own ways. Um, And, you know, we get again, like. I I, get there's a humbling moment, but he doesn't really get humbled. It's once they get him to the hospital and he's like they're wrestling with him and he's like, I'm Thor and get him with the with the
1: the injection. I don't feel like he really gets any real develop. He kind of gets a bit of a humbling moment when he goes to pick up the hammer. He can't pick it up. But even then, the the I I don't know, I feel like it's kind of goes from one to 60 yes. where I feel like his reaction to that moment should have been more like a 25 <laughs> and, well, and it's, it to me, it's like they just immediately flip him to now all of a sudden he understands everything that was being taught to him. And you know, this is the lesson my father was trying to teach you. I don't feel like he actually like went through anything to get to that point. It was just, this is who we need you to be now.
0: Right. Um, the rest of the movie. so yeah, I like, cause You know, we're we're not go doing our full step by step on everything because like we're jumping all around on it. But I I I think I think that's fine when we're talking about these films, Uh, because like like what you said, it's. It's when he's there and he's interacting with the normal people. It's I'm you know I'm still a big head Thor. Like yeah, know, I'm gonna Thor. slam my coffee cu- <laughs> I'm gonna slam my coffee cup and demand another. Uh, you know I'm gonna find I'm gonna go to the pet store and try to find the noblest steed uh, to get me to the hammer. Uh, but when he gets to the hammer and he you know fights uh, all the guards and stuff like that, the impact that that scene is supposed to have does not feel earned. No, it doesn't. Uh, because it, it, it's it just it. There's no weight to it. It's supposed to be weighty. It's shot weighty. You have the it's it's shot dramatically. You have the the storm. Yeah, you, uh, you have Coulson watching. Uh, you have the brief introduction of Hawkeye um, watching. And you feel like this is supposed to be important. Mm-hmm. But again, we've not spent seen Thor go through any moments of self doubt. uh, These could be criticisms that we'll end up having of Captain Marvel later on too. Uh, you know, very small backstory. Uh, and I think maybe part of the problem being is it divides the attention between the two realms, which isn't necessarily bad if you have enough space to do it. And it felt like they wanted to keep this at about two hours and so we're going to deal a little bit with the realm stuff. Then we're going to have him sent to earth. Whereas you could have spent maybe the entire first film, just e- even having him on in Asgard and dealing with the realms and not even going to earth, but they felt like they needed to send him to earth to tie in Colson and, uh, you know, set up for Avengers and stuff. I
1: think even having the first film just be him just on earth, we don't need to jump back and forth to what's right. going on on Asgard. But right. I mean, I don't, Feel like they jump back that much I just feel like like you said like nothing feels really earned like he really got there because he's all you know confident even when James driving him out there he's like yeah. I'm gonna fly out I'm gonna get all your stuff back I'm gonna do this and then he's sitting there and yet he sits there with Colson interrogating him for I don't know what a few hours maybe before a Selvick you know goes and gets him and then they release him but to go to have that much of a shift from that from that piece of it it's a space of a few hours when he drinks with selvig goes home they're having they're making breakfast when the the four warriors show up mm-hmm. and then now he's like i have a plan and i'm going to sacrifice myself and i care about your safety now it's so much in such a short period of time it does not feel earned whatsoever right and uh, the fact when we do sorry when we do jump no, back to the realms and Sif's charging on up to the throne and they're all mad that Loki yeah. is on the throne. Like immediately angry about it. Like I don't they don't give us the fifteen hundred years of history between them to understand this level of distrust. Right. And I I can kind of see people arguing like, well, you're coming from the comics, you know that he's supposed to be the villain, blah blah blah. Sort Even Norse
0: mythology.
1: Yeah, like even the mythology, but I'm kind of like, well, they're establishing their own universe and they're giving us the characters. And they haven't really given me any reason to think that he's, you know, purely evil, maybe mischievous and like the annoying dick who pulls really annoying pranks, you know, that aren't funny, you know, sort of a thing, but nothing like straight up he's evil villain, you know, so it's just kind of like her level of reaction. Is more than I feel is warranted because they haven't given me any reason for it.
0: Yeah, and they're also handling a lot of characters in this film too. because yeah, you've yeah. got you've got Thor, you got a little bit of Frigga, you got Odin, you got Loki, you've got the Warriors Three, uh, you know, with Lady Sif and Volstagg, uh, Fandral, and um, I can't remember the the other guy, Hogan. Um, Hogan, yeah. And then you've got Selvig. You got even though we love her, Darcy. You got Jane. <laughs> Uh, you got Coulson, you know, you've got all of these m- moving parts in there that it's like you needed to focus on one and maybe not both. Uh, you could you could have done it where you focus purely on the realm mm-hmm. and then have whatever happens that needs to draw Thor to Earth. Because, uh, you know, they set up the Cosmic Cube. Well, the Tesseract, rather <laughs> um, the Tesseract at the end and the post credits. Uh, that you could have been that that's, you know, you still could have the events of what happened with Thor and and with the the Bifrost and Loki falling off at the end with all of that purely focused on the realm. Or you just go ahead and you sh- just throw us right into the earth and you don't go and jump back uh, before Thor gets hit by the car. But then you have Thor give everything through exposition and go, you know, talk, talk about it. But
1: but Make think, us doubt if is he Thor or is yeah. he not Thor and then oh he and is and then Thor.
0: reveal it. Uh, yeah. and yeah. what maybe would have worked more for, for the weighty moment uh is instead of telling Thor that Odin died, you know, mm-hmm. after he tried to lift the hammer, yeah. Maybe tell him before and out of defiance and no, this can't be, and all this, then go try to lift it and feel then then not only do you not have the power of the hammer but you don't have the power of your father who could maybe give you the the opportunity back. Yeah, it's you know some, something because yeah, he just goes from arrogant to compassionate with really no development work in between with some nice moments with Jane and stuff like mm-hmm. that, but it just it's it's rushing to get to Avengers I think at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, which I won't say Captain America doesn't feel like that at all when it, when it comes to Captain America, but Thor does feel like the one where they're like, we got to rush this. And,
1: yeah.
0: uh, we also have to dye his eyebrows and beard blonde because <laughs> it looks so bad. It looks <laughs> so bad. I'm glad they did not continue after Thor. I don't know who looked at that and said, yes, that's going to look great on camera. <laughs> um, but I
1: don't know.
0: <laughs> Cause I was fine with like, you know, when you see him in, in, in Avengers and so on, like, the blonde hair and the darker beard works a little bit better. Yeah, but man, the blonde eyebrows and the blonde beard, just, <laughs> it, it looks so off. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really outside of just kind of because that's this really is how the movie was is constructed and how it plays out, because uh, I was even when I was watching it, when we were having, uh, ironically enough, uh, actually right before uh, we had the really bad thunderstorms and the tornado <laughs> warnings. I watched Thor. Coincidence? I think not. Maybe Thor wasn't happy. I was watching his movie. Um, but it was like it's so cookie cutter, I think, like in the sense of like you, you know what's going to happen. You could even walk away for a few seconds, come back and you've not missed anything of super important
1: right
0: right for for i mean there are key scenes that are very important that you would be out of place again mainly with loki
1: mm-hmm.
0: um but with thor it's just like okay yeah this happens funny stuff happens funny stuff happens okay now he's good give him the hammer let's rush to asgard uh and immediately just fight with loki like yeah. don't give loki any time to explain cuz he still says like even though he invited the Jotuns into Asgard to quote unquote assassin Kills Laffy. like he literally kills his own father. Yeah, he literally
1: <laughs> did it. And he, I feel like once he once he realized and knew for sure that he was a, you know a jotun a frost giant. Like you said, it's all about his identity crisis and wanting to prove that he should be the one to be made king of Asgard. He's like, well, let's get rid of, like, the enemy that has been the ever-present enemy, apparently, that they tell scary stories about, the Frost Giants and stuff. Right. Gets him in there, kills him. I don't think he ever had the intention of allowing them to kill Odin. I think he no. was—every intention was, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to look like the hero, you know. And this is the part where I feel like, like we talked about in the Loki episode, when Thor comes back, I feel like Frigga's, like, a little too quick— with the oh Thor and runs right to him and stuff. I don't know. I get like I'm not a mother, so you know maybe I don't understand. Well, I think know, when also child it, comes back, but I still feel like it's too fast.
0: It's lack of knowing what they wanted to do with Frigga. Yeah, you know, I, it's like she, it's Renee Russo, fantastic actress, but like she's just kind of background dressing through ninety percent of the film.
1: Yeah, I feel um, like she really needed more of a of a scene with yeah. both of the kids to establish her relationship with each of them. Right. And not just like, like you said, a potted plant, which like is,
0: which scene. is like kind of like what they do a little bit with Thor dark world, you know? And, and then we get more of it, obviously in Endgame game, um, which kind of like it retroactively makes things a little bit better. It still doesn't quite fix this particular scene that you're referencing to, but at least we understand the dynamic of the relationships a little bit more in those later films. Uh, And the importance that her her spoiler death in the later films uh, has on both of them and not just one or the other. Um, But, yeah, it it just it's quick to judge. It's immediately let's go into the, the fight. And in fact, like, you know, once Odin finally wakes up to save them at the end after destroying the Bifrost, which like when you think about story wise, the Bifrost is the means for them to get the earth. You've now just destroyed, the means (laughs) to get to Earth. Because when you get to Avengers, it does feel like a little bit like uh, a MacGuffin for how Thor can just show up on Earth. Yeah, he has
1: that one little line about how much black or dark magic did, did father have to conjure to get you here.
0: Yeah, and it's like you know, it's like, come on, you know, you could have done something or you could have even said that the Bifrost was fixed because by the point we get to throw a dark world, Bifrost is fixed.
1: Well, uh, but that also but, for me begs the question about, um, how do they get other places? I guess because the Bifrost is fixed, but they know all these other places, you know, when they give the, is it the Tesseract to the collector and stuff yeah. like they're aliens. They travel to all these different places and stuff like, they don't have any ships at all. Like not a single one.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, it's well, yeah. It, Cause the Bifrost really only accesses realms. It does the nine realms. It doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily access other, I guess the realms are planets, but they don't go to the, the vastness of the universe or anything like that. Um, but you, you have that great kind of moment with Loki, like saying we, we could have done it together, father, or, or something to that extent, like, you know, I'm done this it for you. Yeah, it was for his approval. That's all he really ever wanted was Odin's approval and acceptance. Yeah, he
1: even says it when they're fighting. It's like I never wanted to throw, I just wanted to be your equal. I just wanted yeah. to you know, I wanted all you and all your jerk friends to like treat me, you know, with some respect.
0: But I will also say I think one of the best things to do <laughs> in a fight, especially with Loki, is simply setting the hammer. Yeah, it's just, yeah. just be like you're not you're not going anywhere. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, that's 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 pretty much all of this, all of this movie. That's it's it was a rush to get a Thor film out there. I mean, I'm not saying it was actually rushed in production or anything like that, but it was let's get a movie out there. Let's at least establish his character, get his basics in there. We'll worry about the development stuff later that's kind of how it all feels when you get down uh, to the end of it. Uh, and you get, you know, like I like the nice little end thing with him going to Heimdall and asking how Jane's doing and she's mm-hmm. searching to find a new way. And, um, and then uh, you just get that kind of ending on a high note, you know, it's a very hopeful, hopeful ending. And then we get to our <laughs> post credit scene, which Watching it now again in hindsight and retrospect doesn't make sense, but oh well. And I mean, it doesn't make sense from the Loki perspective. But uh, you have Selvig going to the dark energy research facility, and Fury's there, and he introduces the Tesseract. Right. Uh, and you have some manipulation, maybe by Loki. I don't
1: know. Yeah, at this odd. One... This is one of those ones where I feel like I flesh it out in my mind to make it make sense more than what we get there. Yeah. You know, so in my mind, when you hear Selvig talking to Fury and he's talking about, like, you're doing great work and I've got this foster theory and stuff. I feel like that's indicating a significant amount of time that's passed, like six months or more at minimum has passed. So I'm feeling like. In my little head canon here that Loki, that's where he just was like falling through space, the realms, wherever ended up with um, what's his name with the Chitari, not Thanos, the the guy
0: Yeah, is like a um, major domo.
1: Yeah, exactly. yeah, basically ended up there or ended up somehow in that orbit of Thanos, because I feel like when you look at him, he like he looks abused. He, he, he looks he looks bad.
0: Yeah, like, because he's got some some stuff going on in his, uh, his temples and like he, yeah. he's pale. And so, yeah, yeah it, it it was I don't know what it was meant to imply. I mean, like what it was meant to imply was Loki's still alive because, you know, we see him just fall right. off into the vastness of the universe. And if you don't stay for the credit scene, you're like, OK, he's dead. Yeah, And this is revealed. No, he's not dead. He's somewhere. Maybe he's in Selvig or he's pretending to be Selvig or he's manipulating Selvig. Uh, So it's like it felt like they had something else planned there. And then when they finally got to like writing Avengers, like Joss Whedon was like, no, I'm going to have him do this, you know, or something like that.
1: So because he has the scepter in Avengers, I don't know if it's like did Thanos use the Mind Stone to mind control him the whole time? I don't feel like that's the case. I don't feel like he was 100% like completely under mind control, but I, I do feel like he was influenced himself by the stone or something. Because even when when we get to it in Avengers, when he uses it to like make that phone call to the forearm guy or whatever, mm-hmm. it's like it, it's like a hard – he's having a hard time. Like he looks, like you said, like thin and drained and pale. And so I feel like there is some manipulation going on, but I don't know that you have to like really – like, uh, you know, twists aren't that hard, <laughs> right you know, but I, but I do feel like there is some something taking place. We I feel like the time is implied, and then I'm assuming he probably already has some connection to the mindstone or whatever at this point to go ahead and be kind of mind manipulating um Selvig at that point. And I feel like he might be hanging around in where the Tesseract is via projection somehow. Like, that's how they're kind of understanding. Because at that point, again, Avengers, Hawkeye's the one who says a door opens for both sides. Everybody's treating it like it's only a one-sided door. That maybe he's somehow, like, telepathically something like sending his mind through. But I feel like it's just implication of time has passed. Things have happened. And And we're, and
0: we're probably giving more thought into it it than that's
1: like, that's one of those, like, I feel like because my headcanon fleshes it out a lot more than what you're given, it makes it make a lot more sense to me and fit. than if you're just thinking he literally just fell from earth and now he's somehow inhabiting Selvig.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't think, uh, I, I don't think anyone is necessarily, uh, taking it as this is immediate. Uh, if I give that impression, that's, that's my own fault. But, yeah, like, but
1: I feel like the cut kind of, makes oh, it yeah. because you see okay. him fall. And then the very next time, if you stayed that you see him is immediately there. So I feel yeah. like the cut between where you see him last and then go right to here. And he looks kind of beat up like, oh, maybe he just fell to earth sort of a thing could give you that implication that like he fell to earth. That's that's that's
0: very true, uh, but it's definitely one of the one of the uh, also more interesting um, credits in credits because it's it sets up for Captain America. Uh, but we did forget about one of the most important characters slash uh, non characters of of the MCU, uh, Tonesburg or Tonsburg, however you say it. The place that is attacked by the frost giants at the beginning. Oh, as a oh. running you know, reoccurrence throughout the other films. I believe uh, I believe it's the city that's invaded uh, by um, Red Skull at the beginning of Captain America. But it's definitely where they go in in game to kind of resettle Asgard jumping way ahead. But, uh, you know, it's it's yeah, it 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 pops up a few times. So, (laughs) you know, it's it's kind of nice. It shows continuity.
1: Yeah, You know, it yeah. shows
0: that these places that we've seen before exist uh, later on. And, and it's kind of nice, especially with how they tie it to Thor and everything else. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't I really have much else to say. Like, I agree totally with you. I don't think I would have agreed with you uh, back when I first saw it, that this was a Loki film, <laughs> and, you know, and that the character that gets the most development and the probably the better story beats is Loki. Mm-hmm. But definitely watching it now and seeing that it focuses more on that on that personal identity crisis, and that Thor is just kind of there,
1: yeah.
0: And like, okay, there without there with the hammer, yeah, there without the hammer is whatever with they them.
1: need it to be, right? In order to move the stuff with Loki along, exactly, and to, and to establish to give him an excuse that establishes why he's an Avengers,
0: right? Right. So yeah, it just it feels very much like a movie to. Just get it out of the way. You know, the pull the yeah. band-aid off. Here's Thor. So I maybe I can understand why critics kind of were a little bit harsher on it. Um but uh yeah, I I still really enjoy it. I, I think mm. the visuals are very stunning. Uh fight sequences are really good. Uh I will continue to say this all the way through all the Thor movies. The Warriors 3 get the shaft.
1: Just, oh yeah. This is
0: about the only film that they get adequate screen time. Yeah, but the other two films, they get the shaft major time, especially Ragnarok. Oh yes. Ragnarok. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> well, it's, we and we don't know where Lady Sif is.
1: Oh yeah, I was I was <laughs> wondering because Sif appears in Agents of Shield. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's the reason she gets the shift, <laughs> the shaft. For um, the, the rest of the shows
0: because rumor, well, go ahead, finish what well, you said. saying.
1: Well, I was gonna say, because of the divide between yeah. Feige and and the and show Jeff. Yeah, that well, you're gonna go there, but you're never gonna appear in a movie again.
0: But to be fair, Fury showed up on there too.
1: That's once. true, but, um, but that's Samuel Jackson. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're not gonna tell Samuel Jackson, no. Yeah,
1: uh, especially uh, I think. Put... Go ahead. Oh, sorry, I was thinking of a completely different point that I wanted to. Oh yeah. Before go ahead. I forgot. No, when you're talking about the visuals and the details and stuff, that um, especially in in. Um, thor the dark world i like that if if you look and pay attention to tiny screen set details and things they that refer back to the north norse mythology and I, there's a couple that i'll point out in dark world that i was just like super excited about when i saw them but if you you'll just like see something in the background and it's like that's a reference to the mythology
0: right right um well, oh, now I've lost Sorry. my. No, you're fine. Uh, I don't know if I'll find it again, but anyways, um, yeah, it was very much a, a movie to kind of get in and out of the way. Oh, now it comes back to back to my head. Uh, it is rumored. I don't so I don't know if this is true or not, but that Sif might be in Love and Thunder.
1: Okay.
0: Um, and that there might be like a struggle between her and Jane. Because like in the comics, Sif and Thor have had a little bit of a romance and Jane and Thor have have obviously had a bit of a romance. Uh, But like I think her not accepting that she gets the hammer or something like that. But Mm -hmm. that's completely speculation. Just a rumor I heard. And that was a rumor I heard a long time ago. But (laughs) it would be nice to see her kind of show up again, especially her her not being in Ragnarok is yes. is felt, especially with how the Warriors three are are dealt with in that yeah,
1: film. Yeah, It's very obvious. She's not here. Where is she? Right. Like, in a very glaring, bright red neon sign sort of yes. a way.
0: So, hopefully we'll see her return because uh, I think Jamie Alexander does a great job as Sif. Uh, and again, it was like, we, we when we talk about we don't want necessarily propaganda or things pushed in our way, they have a really good line in this that I think is hilarious, and it was uh, Thor you know when he's trying to go to all their egos and he's like and who uh, and who's the warrior that proved all of these men wrong and she's like I, I, did. I did and he's like <laughs> yeah but I supported you, you know? it's like, it was like one of those things where it's like yes her she herself yeah. went through whatever she needed to do to prove people wrong and it wasn't it doesn't feel like it's propaganda doesn't feel like it's pushed it, right. it feels organic for the character
1: yeah, because um, her fight scene with the Destroyer is really good. Oh, yeah. Like, she is skilled. Yes. So she doesn't feel like an unskilled, let's just put a woman in here sort of a character.
0: Right. and We're looking at you, Captain Marvel. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's get into scores for this one. Um, do you want to go first or should I go first?
1: Uh, you go first on this all one. All
0: right. Uh, I think I'm going to land on a three and a half. Okay. Uh, You know, I as much as I really enjoyed it, like when I saw in theaters for the first time and it really invigorated that that want to know more about the character and stuff, rewatching it now and really finding those glaring problems with character development uh, and just feeling like this movie was just to get to Avengers as quick as possible uh, I really have to kind of knock it off for that, you know? And like we said, for a movie that's called Thor, it focuses... not. And this isn't a complaint, but it focuses way too much on Loki and developing Loki when it should be taking that time to develop Thor.
1: Yeah. So... As a Thor movie, this is probably a three for me. Mm-hmm. If this was Loki, the movie, this I feel like would be like a four or four and a half. <laughs> because you're right, as we've talked about, he gets all the development, like all of the really good nuanced development. Thor is just like a bull in a china shop in this movie. It's okay, and it's still better than Thor the Dark World. Yes. <laughs> if that's yes. given you any indication of things to come. But I mean, yeah, it's a good one. I like the music. I, again, like you said, I like the visuals. I think everything's very beautiful. I like how you know. I, I like the the visuals of Asgard, but I also like the visuals of wherever there are in New Mexico because oh, I yeah. think it does. It looks nice. I like that kind of worn out old town feel it, it, in it the desert. It feels like
0: it's um like a you know fifties like
1: yeah Manhattan but left project behind. Or, yeah. yeah. Like, one of the empty towns that they were going to use for atom bomb testing yeah. or something. Like, I, I like all of the design of of everywhere that they go when they're in there. And I also I, I like the designs of everybody's costuming. Like I said, there's details if you, like, look at things that will, like, make references back to the Norse mythology, which I really appreciate. I'm, you know, it's one of those if you see it, you're like, oh, there's that yeah. thing. And it's really cool and you and you like it. But overall, yeah, as for the movie Thor probably like a three and i want to leave it as a three because i know that i want to rate dark world lower
0: (laughs) (laughs) well there's some foreshadowing for you uh we'll be what will be really interesting is to see because it's been a while since i've revisited thor dark world where we both land up if i'm going to be more generous or or if i'm going to be just about as harsh as, as you um but yeah, it, it's it, you know it's the journey, it's the stepping stones. Like we've mm-hmm. said, uh, these early MCU films outside of the Ironmans, because like those were kind of the the big hits. Like that's yeah. really, even though I, we're kind of Iron called,
1: Man was a big hit.
0: Without Iron Man, none of this none exactly. of this happened.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and that's not even talking about like the post-credit scene. It's just the success of Iron Man and Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. We would not have the birth of this franchise. Uh, and so uh, it's it's just them getting the training wheels and we you know eventually we'll get to, to two wheels here before too long. because <laughs> uh, really I think by the time we reach Avengers, that's when you start seeing that okay, we can tell better stories. We can tell grander stories. we can well,
1: And I think the, the good audience reaction to loving what they did, And then seeing Avengers and the audience is like, yeah, you know, and everybody's enthused and they're like, all right, like now it's on snow. Snowballs rolling down the hill. Like, let's go.
0: Right. Right. So this is where I think, because, you know, I, I'm more of a fan of the DCEU than you are. Uh, This is the notes that they probably should have taken a little bit more uh, when they're, when they're developing their cinematic universe. Cause right now the big complaint and I think that James Gunn, as much as I like him, I think he's misunderstanding the complaint that's coming out right now from the latest uh, Suicide Squad trailer uh, because they say that, you know, Bloodsport put Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet. And I now I don't, I've been following the social media buzz on it or anything, but apparently people have been complaining about that line from the film and he provided comic book evidence that Superman has been to the ICU because of kryptonite bullet. It's not that they don't think that that can happen. It's that we have not seen something like that happen yet within the DCU for us to accept that you can throw that one line out there, but we're not seeing it happen on screen. We won't see, well, we may, I don't know the film's not out yet, but we're not seeing any actual references to that happening in reality of the film. So that, I think, is really where the complaint lies. And it's not saying that it's out of the realm of possibility. Hell, if you've watched Smallville, we've seen it happen <laughs> there. Uh, exactly. So, you know, it's it's not the debate of it actually happening. It's we want to see something like that happen or establish that it has happened better than just a throwaway line. Right. Uh, but the DCU's all a mess. Uh hopefully. Flashpoint, since Im- or flash uh, with the images that are kind of coming out on that and speculation about what's gonna happen on that maybe that'll fix things and get it more <laughs> more streamlined but we'll we'll uh, we'll see that when that gets there
1: yeah uh, I, so, don't, um, I don't hate the DCEU you know I've watched the shows off and on but you know I've been telling you I've really been enjoying the Superman and Lois show right. So right now, that's probably at the top of my list of, like, this is the best thing DC's ever done. <laughs> Batwoman?
0: Huh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I've got a whole different set of problems with Batwoman, even though I'm I'm suffering through it. I'm struggling. I'm getting past (laughs) the pain of watching it. But uh, there there is a whole different set of issues there and stuff that we've kind of alluded in in podcast episodes about putting agenda before story writing is is usually what kind of comes in as the main problem. And and I I think I I, um, and this isn't defending the guy, but I think when I was talking about this with Pat over the weekend, I think I found out where the problem was, and you originally had those CW shows developed by two uh, two men, Andrew Kreisberg and Greg Berlanti, uh, and they I think they provided a nice balance for each other on what they were going to put in the show and what they were going to leave out, and like how to make it work organically and not become too either drama ish or childish or propaganda ish. But then Kreisberg did some not great things with people uh, with <laughs> women in particular and they fired him uh, and I'm not saying unrightfully I think that that probably was deserved but once Kreisberg was out of the picture Berlanti is just now running fully unchecked and doing whatever he wants with the shows and I think it's to a detriment because you need to have that balance
1: Yeah, uh, I
0: think like that's one of the reasons why I like discussing things with you is You can point out stuff that I might find or that I might have that might have inconsistencies with it and balance out and me going, yeah, you you know, you are kind of right on that. And uh, even if I don't like to admit it, um, (laughs) uh, if you listen to our Loki episode, I think she tried to gloat that over me. Uh,
1: Only a little bit.
0: (laughs) Only a little bit. Uh, But, yeah, you know, when you have that, you know, that that rebounder, that person to kind of do the sound off with, it it helps
1: yeah. It's always interesting with, to get different perspectives. I feel like, I mean, cause yeah, it can kind of sound like an echo chamber if we agree on a lot of stuff, but you know, I see something that you might've missed and you see something I might've missed. And it's always interesting to talk it over. Right. You're like what, what did you see? What did you think about this? How did you interpret that?
0: Yeah. And so uh, it's just like one of those things where, yeah, you just gotta, gotta, I guess, take it, take it for what you can, whatever. Um, but, you know, that's going off the off the off the rails there with uh, <laughs> what this episode is intended. But we hope you enjoyed uh, enjoyed our review of Thor. Uh, like we've said in our in our previous MCU uh, franchise review episodes, I think we're really enjoying this. Like it's fun to watch it from knowing where it goes and then revisiting how it started, because mm-hmm. like for myself, it's it's been like it's been a while since I've gone through and actually like Revisited some of the films Like with With intent watching Like with with Paying 100% attention Uh, I know occasionally Like before the next Avengers film I would try to like Rewatch all of them Or most of them Before that film Or at least the The last Avengers movie Before it Um, So it's nice to kind of Now be watching it As it unfolded And re-experiencing everything So we really hope you guys Are enjoying the series Because I think we're having A fun time with it And Uh, that's going to do it, uh, for this episode. So thank you guys. And here's our, you know, end of episode, uh, jig. Um, you know, if you're not following the podcast on social media, you can follow us on Facebook at critics, not cynics podcast, uh, on Twitter at critics, NT cynics, right into the podcast at critics, not cynics at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of Thor. Uh, am I, are we wrong calling it (laughs) or, you know, maybe putting the petition out there to rename it Loki <laughs> uh, or or are we right? You know, it would be, it'd be great to hear from you guys and, and hear your thoughts. Uh, you can listen to the podcast on pretty much every podcasting service, Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon Music, Audible and as always, iTunes. Uh, and uh, if you like what we're doing, leave us a rate and review. So. All right, guys, we will talk to you next time.